Welcome back to Dairy Public Radio. Reporting from the basement of the Dairy Civic Center, this is CM Alexander with the news. A sigh of relief runs through Maine today as nine-year-old Trisha McFarland has been found. Missing for more than a week and presumed dead, she was found and taken to a hospital where she's listed in stable condition. It's a nice feeling to close this story with a save we can all cheer for. You're listening to Dairy Public Radio. This is Dairy Public Radio. Welcome back to Dairy Public Radio, bi-weekly Stephen King Book Club podcast. I'm one of your hosts, CM Alexander, alongside Joshua Khan. Hey, everybody. And Benjamin Graham. Batters up, constant reader. <laughs> and today, we are finishing The Girl Who Loved Tom Gordon, and Josh is leading our discussion. All right. In the first half of the game, nine-year-old Trisha McFarland got lost in the woods and then proceeded to get more and more lost despite her best efforts. She's been lost for nearly two full days as we left her on the second night, her second night in the woods, puking and shitting herself to death, Mm. while Tom Gordon watches over her. Meanwhile, her family is a mess and is following a false police report that Trisha was kidnapped, thus driving the resources to search for her elsewhere and narrowing the field for where she was last seen, uh, which she is long gone from that area. Uh, And, uh, oh, there's something watching her. That... False report sure was a foul ball. <laughs> As they say. Uh, sorry, I just, sorry, <laughs> S- Sam, I can't look. The, I can't the look, the, look no. on your face is really what sells it. <laughs> Technically, it was a foul tip. Is that a foul tip? Is when is that you, a real? That's a real. Is that base, a real that's one? A baseball term. Oh, yeah. that's why it was so funny. <laughs> I'm gonna cut. I'm gonna cut <laughs> all around this. Oh, this goal. <laughs> We're firing all, all cylinders oh my today. God, that's, I, I only remember that offhand because I used that in writing the first radio intro for The Outsider because I put a bunch of baseball references mm. in the Little League arrest mm. story. It all comes together. <laughs> Cause a wheel. Time's flat circle. (laughs) (laughs) Um, First off, were you guys as excited to read the second half as I was? Because I feel like I did did this whole reading within days after our first recording. It was one that I did not want to stop reading because I wanted to know what was going to happen. And when we get to the end, I want to talk about how I feel about it. (laughs) Perfect. Yeah, I, I was excited in that I really, really enjoyed the first half of this book, and I was extremely not excited uh, because of how genuinely distressed the first half of this book made me. And uh, (laughs) Mm -hmm. there were a number of areas that the second half could have gone that I just didn't want to read because they (laughs) sounded unpleasant. Yeah. Okay, might as well not save it. I feel pretty much the same. It's I couldn't, usually I listen through a couple times just to make Mm. sure I I caught everything and have stuff to talk about and I'll read it. I couldn't listen to it more than once and not because Mm. anything super horrible, awful happens, but because it's just so, yeah, that's what that would be like. You, you know, it's too real kind Mm. of in a way. That time jump. Oh, fuck. We will get into that. I cannot wait. (laughs) I do have uh, something. I don't know if this is anything or not, because we are coming back into this reading in the sixth inning. I was thinking about how this book is structured in the pregame and innings Mm -hmm. and postgame. 
and wondering, is there another meaning to that besides, of course, the save at the bottom of the ninth? And I decided to basically overlay the plot of this story across the first game she listens to mm-hmm. on her Walkman when she gets lost. And it just so happens that the sixth inning, which we're in right now, is where she gets the most reprieve she's going to have for the rest of mm-hmm. this story, basically. And the sixth inning was the inning that the Red Sox got their reprieve and was scored enough runs to make sure Tom Gordon would get in the game at the end. Mm. I don't know if that's intentional, but I do like that it turned out that way. I think it's pretty neat. All right, let's get into the start of the third day because she's miserable. She can barely walk. Uh, she can't. She can barely lift the backpack. She's so exhausted and tired. And she, for the first time, actually envisions Tom Gordon standing there talking to her. I've gone camping, like, intentionally Mm -hmm. for a span of three days. (laughs) And having a tent and a sleeping bag and other people and knowing where civilization is, it's bad enough. (laughs) Putting myself in her shoes, I've been in the woods sleeping on the fucking ground. For three days, I it, her perseverance is astounding mm. because I'd be like, nah, I'm I'm done. I've had to sleep outside one time, like in a yard sure. uh, with no cover, and just waking up after that, where nothing extreme happened, and I was well fed and well dressed. <laughs> I woke up so fucking exhausted; it saps the strength out of you. The part I hate about camping is falling asleep and waking up. I don't like sleeping in another bed that isn't like I, I go to a hotel and I'm like, this kind of sucks. Yeah, I'm I want to camp, but then I want to go home and sleep and then come back in the morning and continue camping. Is that a thing? Yeah, I think that's just get an RV. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, last time I went camping, I had to sleep in my car. Because my snoring in the kept woods, everyone <laughs> in their tents awake. Oh, that's that's their problem. See, they I should have all slept in your car. Exactly. <laughs> my theory, if I ever get lost in the woods, is I'm going to find a cave and sleep in the cave, and people will think there's a monster oh in there. God. And either I will get rescued, or I will become or a god be of legend uh, that people bring tribute to the cave where the monster dwells, and I just live in this cave. I'm having PTSD flashbacks, Josh. <laughs> From what? From sharing a room with you. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, let's get back to this. We, I, I guess, you know what? This is a perfect segue, because I feel like we can all get on the same page with Trisha uh, with our feelings of camping, because this is the first time where she says, I'm going to die as a statement of fact. Ooh. I mean, we we spend a lot of time talking during The Shining about how hard it is to hear, you know, five-year-old Danny mm-hmm. Torrance say some of these things. Nine-year-old doesn't make it any less heartbreaking. No, no, no. And you like her. She's yeah. She's a good kid. She's fun. She's sassy. Yeah, she's the right level of precocious. Yeah. <laughs> she's like not annoyingly so. And believably precocious. I I don't know if you guys are going to agree or disagree with this, but I do love all the, yeah, babies. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. (laughs) I do too. It it is, uh, maybe it is that it is put in the mouth of a nine-year-old. The the usual like kingisms of the goofy catchphrases and Mm -hmm. everything Pepsi Robichaud. I love Pepsi so much. I want to meet her. Uh, I I was really disappointed that we didn't, she wasn't like there at the end. I, it would have been ridiculous, but I wish that she had been. <laughs> best friend! Come on! Yeah. Like best friend! 
That's the sequel. Pepsi comes with her. They get lost in the woods again. <laughs> I, I'd read that. Honestly. Uh, this is where we have her first reprieve. She finds berries and nuts that she knows are edible. And this time, as opposed to the last time she's found food, she basically just fills her backpack with food, mm. which is just a very smart idea. This is the moment where she says that she's like finally full. She mm-hmm. she feels full for the first time in days. And you're like, all right, cool. Uh, this is a step in the right direction. And when the next part happens, <laughs> did either of you kind of guess what she guesses after like what they mean? What, no, or? okay, so... Let's just take us through it, Ben. Yeah. Let's just take it out. <laughs> yeah, don't be cryptic. It's all these berries, and very quickly after, things get really weird. Um, And she th- comes into a clearing, mm-hmm. and there are three figures standing there. And if you're me, who put up the guess at the end of the uh-huh. last episode, that there are people in the woods watching her, I'm like, oh... We're going to get into some cult shit or something. I thought so too. Yes, I did too. But I, and I I reread it again this morning because I'm like, was she hallucinating? Was she asleep? She even, this is what I was talking about is that she even has the thought, I just ate a shit ton of (laughs) berries I can't identify. What if I'm, I'm hallucinating off of those? What if they were like, Fermented berries, though does exist. I, I think Squirrels she has fallen. <laughs> I think she fell asleep because because she talks about she enters this clearing and it's like it's this serene, beautiful moment, and there are butterflies. And she's been so sick, mm. and and we find out later she's legit sick. I don't know if it's like full blown quite yet, but she is not okay. And she sits down and she's resting and she later thinks like i don't remember like i remember a steady stream of consciousness we've all had that though we have definitely mm-hmm. been asleep <laughs> oh yeah but it, she there was something she did like her hand kind of like dropped or something and she looked down at it and then she looked up and i figured she fell asleep in between that time because when mm. she looks back up is when she sees those three figures, which my favorite part of the book right yes, here. Yes, <laughs> absolutely agree. So cool. These three figures are standing at the edge of the clearing and she's asking, hey, what are, who are you? And the first says, uh, I am the God of Tom Gordon, basically, <laughs> right? He is- From the God of yeah, Tom from Gordon. The from the Tom of yeah. God. He's representative of what like the, I, I would think the average- American, at least, uh, thinks of as God. It's mm-hmm. the religious God. Also, right? it looks like her science teacher for whatever yeah. reason. Which isn't really interesting that <laughs> she, I don't know. I, I don't know what to think of yeah. that. Well, but. I, and I wonder if it's because that's been on her mind because she's using all the things she's learned from her mom and from science class oh, yeah. about what to eat and what not to eat. Mm. A- anyway, it's, it's the traditional classic mm-hmm. God, right? And... The second one is I come from the suboptimal suboptimal, and this was heartbreaking. Yeah. That he is—he looks like her dad, kind, kind of. of, yeah. And he's clearly drunk, and tells her, you know, I sorry, I can't help you. I'm useless, and yeah. she starts yelling at him. Are you drunk? <laughs> it, it's sad and mm-hmm. helpless, and. Uh, not nearly as terrible as the third figure. <laughs> yes. Who is the god of the lost, co- representative of the god of the lost, the god of uh, 
death, basically. Mm-hmm. It's it's death. It's a hooded figure mm-hmm. with claws. <laughs> and like a, a, a And a covered in wasps. Okay, the, you guys have seen Candyman? Yes. 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 Very, yes. No, I, I'm just thinking of like the the scene, mm-hmm. yeah, where he he it's opens his coat and it's and then they're all over her, oh, yeah. yeah. So I was kind of into the God of the Lost. <laughs> I the vision I had of it in my head was even though it's described as a living skeleton, mm-hmm. I replaced the head with a wasp's nest crawling with wasps because that's the image that popped in my head and it stuck. Next to Tony Todd's second coolest (laughs) image. (laughs) It's just such a cool scene because the first two she is like weirdly just chill with this. Mm -hmm. Like she has been hallucinating at this point. Mm -hmm. But when it's such a weird thing that happens and she does not really react as strongly as you would (laughs) expect someone to react. And she, to the point where like you said, CM, she's like arguing Mm -hmm. with uh, specifically the sub audible and she's upset and she's like very, uh, animated, but the second the third figure starts to talk, she all she can say is no. It's it's so scary. Yeah, it it struck me too that she's she's talking to the subaudible, and like we have these three gods, and the way she had talked about her father's god before. Later on, she kind of rejects the subaudible mm. and focuses on. The god from Tom Gordon. Josh, you have a look on your face. I just realized that the three gods are her three outs. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> uh, outs are what happen in baseball when you they catch the ball or they strike out. You get three outs before you switch sides. Mm. And these three gods are the way out. Like she's searching for these are the three areas she looks as, as which one will get her to safety, which good will job, take her man. Out. It's like, uh, if the god of Tom Gordon cannot help me strike, then it's up to the subaudible. And mm-hmm. the subaudible just told me that it's not going to help. Yep. That's a third, a second so, strike. So she's okay, down to her third strike. And on <laughs> the third strike is the uh, the god of the lost. Sure, <laughs> so great. <laughs> I, I wish I cared about baseball, but I'm gonna have to start watching this and watching baseball and reread this book. <laughs> <laughs> Nah. <laughs> nah, that's a pass. We're going to a River Bandits game, and that is fine. Fine. <laughs> and Sam's going to throw out the first pitch. Yeah. No, <laughs> I. We talked about this. I'm not going to let go of the ball when I should. It's just going to hit the ground like a foot in front of me. <laughs> and I can't wait to see it. <laughs> uh, so we we talked about it a little bit before we got into the gods. What's your your final take on? Is this? A terrified hallucination? Is it supernatural? Is it a dream? Is it what? Where does it exist for you? Okay, it's a King book. So I think it's supposed to be a little bit ambiguous. Like you could see some of the things happening to her and the thing at the end as having a little bit of that magic in it. Or you could take it just as it is and say she's hallucinating, which I like. I like that you can do whatever you want with it. I I really appreciate that they left it as open-ended. In my head, it's a hallucination. Uh, I I think that makes it cooler. I think it makes it a more interesting thing if it is all in her head. 
uh, as opposed to th- the thing at the end bothers me. It's the, mm, my biggest okay. problem with the book is oh, like a wait. single sentence at the end of the book. <laughs> I was like, ah, oh, okay. come on. You're, <laughs> I bet you I know almost, what sentence, sentence it's, it's, it is. I think it would be more interesting if it was left mm-hmm. to be to, to where you're in her shoes, where you know it. Think of this happened to you, and you survived. And as you grow, it, at least for me, I, it's like in any Stephen King book. Well, the further you get from a particularly horrible, mm-hmm. terrifying experience, the more the human part of your brain rejects that anything supernatural could have happened. That person's not reliable, though, if we're talking about the same thing. Yeah. I, so I, you could still have that. Yeah, but I, I like that <laughs> leaving it open-ended yeah. makes you that person to where, like, yeah. mm-hmm. no, it has to have been mm-hmm. a hallucination because this is the real world, right? But was it? Wink. <laughs> uh, I, I like that. Mm-hmm. And then there's one sentence <laughs> that right. they're like, nah, 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 nah. It, anyway. and, yeah, I think I know the sentence you're talking yeah. about, okay. yeah. I think it was a dream. Like, I don't think it was a hallucination either. I think it was a dream and the reason is because uh, CM, you pointed out that while she's l- she's laying there in this moment where she's full and she actually says she'll never be able to tell anybody about this moment before mm-hmm. she falls asleep because she actually feels at peace and happy and safe. And she has been reflecting on the the science and the mm-hmm. survival skills, which is where we get that first God. But when she's lying there, she's also the way she describes what she's listening to. She's listening to the subaudible, there are those indications that she's she's listening to the specifically like the babbling of the mm-hmm. stream and all those things. So she's thinking about all of those things at once, and it tell it explains to me why when she wakes up and sees three hooded figures, she talks to them instead of uh, a normal reaction. Like that's why like it's it's on yeah. autopilot to engage with these. Mm-hmm. So that's that's where I land, and I think mm-hmm. that. The what we will come to find here shortly is because even though she was asleep, she's she said before she knows kind of where something's watching her from. Mm-hmm. So I think that while she was asleep, she felt something over that way. And that's what. Yeah, she's kind of constantly aware of when whatever it is, mm-hmm. is near to her. Uh, so let's talk about what she finds. She wakes up and asks herself all these questions and goes over to investigate where she saw them standing to see if there's any proof. And Sam, what does she find there? She finds more guts. <laughs> <sighs> just another slashed and half deer. It's just so gross. It's it's so it's I mean, left wasteful. there. Yeah. Like that's the thing is it's clearly left there. Mm-hmm. Is it? I think so. Cuz <laughs> th- this is the first time I really had this thought actually cuz we put so much meaning on the like the decapitated deer from the first half. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it seemed very intentional and deliberate. Like Because thought- the two thoughtful. pieces were so far apart. Yeah. Yes, but if we're taking this as, I, I mean, mm-hmm. you said, CM, that our, I think, I think our narrator is more unreliable than we think right. because she's terrified. She mm-hmm. is lost mm-hmm. and she doesn't have maybe those She's delirious maybe yeah. they weren't as far apart as because when you're walking in the oh, woods yeah. with no sense of time how do we know that it was how far away this was mm-hmm. uh that's interesting. maybe this it, it looks like it was left there on purpose because she's kind of 
giving purpose to things that are happening around her that aren't. Yeah, like we tend to do as humans, we find mm-hmm. patterns and meaning in everything. And considering that, spoiler, by the end of this, <laughs> there doesn't seem to be any, at least, human intelligence right. behind any of this. Maybe she just, she's, she's, she's terrified. She's in a bear's territory. Yeah. yeah. So maybe she's just stumbling upon mm-hmm. this stuff in the woods and making it to be more than it is, mm-hmm. making us believe it's more mm-hmm. than it is in turn. I know that there are some wild animals that will stalk a person who gets lost in the woods for a while. I don't know if bears are one of them, but I don't see why not. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's uh she she decides to move on with uh, a song in her heart, well, a jingle in her heart. Oh, Have either of you googled that jingle? Is no. it real? It's yeah. Oh, that's yeah. a real one? Yeah, the 1-800-54-giant. I didn't or want to giant. because it's already stuck in my head. It's it, we can look it up on YouTube. It's oh my fantastic. I love that. That's such a, it's those little moments like that, that draw you into her and her experience that she, cause later she's singing like Spice Girls. And I mm. think um, like yeah. all of the things that were popular in the late nineties, but that's the one that she mm-hmm. constantly repeats. I want to share a message we got for on our Patreon from Michelle. Uh, who we've talked about several times on the show. She wrote in and said, if you listen to the audiobook, please note the correct way to say 1-800-54-Giant is a 1-800-54-Giant. The owner of this company bought so much ad time during Red Sox games Hmm. that everyone knows that jingle. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Man, that's how we need to market. (laughs) (laughs) It's all about baseball. It all comes back to baseball. It's always been baseball. All right, we're at the top of the seventh. After another stretch, she finds another place to make camp and tunes into her Walkman, but she has lost the signal. And after searching, realizes that the Sox aren't even playing tonight. Is this where she has the two guys who aren't the normal announcers? Yeah, she's listening to a a radio call-in show. Yes, I was thinking about this as I was reading it because she thinks they are so fucking stupid <laughs> like I would i be annoyed with them if she wasn't and i don't think i would it's, it's just so funny she makes you feel what she's feeling mm-hmm. so she listens to this talk radio for a bit and decides to check some more signals and that's when she finds out they've arrested francis raymond Maserol, who while knows nothing about trisha is being arrested and sent back to maine for sexual assault yeah, charges. should definitely be arrested we Put a pin in that storyline, and at least a bad guy got caught, I guess. Yeah, That's... were you guys, because we last time we talked about, you thought maybe he was, like, th- there was a human stalking mm-hmm. her through the woods. Mm-hmm. Were you guys, by this point, did you expect that, or were you surprised that it wasn't him? I don't know. Uh, I, I was definitely had the thought of, like, okay, so someone, uh, the person in the woods just found someone on the registry that he knew would be taken seriously as a threat. Ooh, you're still holding on to the I, I was still, it was still a thought in the back of my head. Yeah. No, I definitely spent most of this book waiting <laughs> for the drop. <laughs> I kept waiting for the guy to step out of the woods. I just couldn't stop thinking about how I would feel. You hear your own name on the radio and, and you go, yeah, Josh Kahn, that's and, me. Yeah, and I'm like, hell <laughs> yeah. And you start fist and pumping I, until you pass out. I stop listening to the rest of the report yeah. and I miss any news about me. Yeah. That's the problem. <laughs> uh, that 
hearing that someone was arrested because they thought that person had kidnapped me and it's a name I've never heard before. Mm-hmm. I just I imagine how jarring that must feel because all at once you have to feel like they've like I I think she knows at that moment that they've been on the wrong track and I think that is a a nail in her coffin of oh, they have not been looking for me as far as she knows. No, I agree because she's mentioned, or she does mention a few times that she's learned about stranger danger. So I feel like she would recognize that that's like a false lead for them. Uh, Out here, she lays down and gets surprised by a meteor shower. That was kind of nice. Is that like the last nice moment she gets? (laughs) Pretty much. I think so. But imagine she's... Watching this meteor shower laying on the cold ground in another mm-hmm. another clearing she's found. She actually has to grab branches to use as blankets to cover her up. Yeah, she had to leave Trisha's puke in place, is that what she called it? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, if we got to the point where, yo, that was last episode yeah. where she fell in her own shit. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, th- uh, this meteor shower, it's really cool because it, it happens very suddenly mm-hmm. and King gets the point of her, like, wonder over this Mm -hmm. across really well, I thought. It's this moment where you're like, oh, she is – if she were not in mortal (laughs) danger, like, I could get the the beauty of this moment being in nature and – like I, I've talked a lot about not wanting to be outside, (laughs) but I I get that it's pretty. Do you think she would (laughs) have – been able oh this is so dark i'm sorry she would have been able to appreciate it the same way kind of thinking about how she was reflecting on i can never explain to anybody who hasn't been starving for days Mm. what it feels like to just sit here and be full and like that's my only concern like now my stomach is full so seeing this moment after everything she's been through to me it had a sense of like her her mind is kind of blown in this moment in Mm -hmm. a way that we can't it's everything all of the stress like have you been in a a a really heightened uh heightened sense like you're you're overwhelmed and then some other thing and uh happens that you weren't expecting yeah and you just have to stand there and be like "Ah, (laughs) yeah i don't know i i that makes sense it it is filled with an almost religious wonder Mm -hmm. to me uh it's feeling i got no, I agree. I think I think her being in that situation, though, the stress of it makes that moment even more impactful. Yeah. I really liked it. I was really afraid that it was going to take a turn from this wonder to and just the guy being, steps out of the woods. <laughs> no, to it being another thing that makes her feel small mm. and mm. like insignificant in the scope of everything. Like if you follow that thought trail, if it, it takes a dark turnaround, <laughs> can come back on you. I mean, that's how I feel looking at this guy <laughs> anytime. <laughs> Is what? that not how everyone <laughs> feels? I'm constantly afraid I'm going to fall up. <laughs> Hold on. We're talking about this now. You're constantly, constantly afraid? Constantly afraid. Nah, I can't make fun of you. I, I have had that thought. Yeah. No. No? You weirdo. What if I was Is this a boy so thing? buoyant? See, I, I just think uh, uh, sometimes I'll be at work and I'll be like, okay, gravity flips. What do I do? Right. How long do I, no. how long can I survive? How long can I survive? Nope. No, never. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I'm sure other people have just not me, I guess. <laughs> I, I was really going to go in on you. And then I'm like, what am I talking about? I, I think about this on a fairly regular I basis. I used to have dreams like those falling dreams all the time. And then I started having dreams where I was falling up. Hmm. And then every once in a while, it actually like I said it as a bit. But honestly, there are times when sometimes I'll just like think about those dreams. And I'm like, oh. 
Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm inside. Can I easily get to the next room? I just have dreams where I'm doing literally anything in the dream. And then all of a sudden, the dream only becomes about trying to find a bathroom. <laughs> but I'm constantly being thwarted. Uh, Trisha would have it way easier in your dream. <laughs> she's outside. She'll just fall up into the sky. But yeah. bathrooms are everywhere. <laughs> so now, mind you, in this fetal position she's lying in, she has another very sad thought as she goes to sleep. Uh, she's preparing to be eaten. She feels uh, the thing uh, around her yeah. and she goes to sleep knowing in her heart that, it, that she will be eaten in the night. But she doesn't. She manages to wake up and she thinks, man, I was worried for nothing until she notices that something had come and settled near her in the night. Why? <laughs> ah, that this that makes me so uncomfortable. <laughs> All right, we established last episode and several times already this episode that we are not outdoorsy people, but do either of you or have either of you been fishing? Yes. Because I really love the fishing, the scene <laughs> of fishing in this next part. I once caught a catfish with a plastic bag. Get it, girl. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you how big was it, it was. Was it during the flood? <laughs> no. <laughs> I was a teenager. I was... It was just fucking around. Nice. <laughs> and then so I you basically it. did this. You yeah. pulled a Trisha. Yeah, I did. And then I, I was staying at my friend's house, so we we put it in a like a fish bowl, and <laughs> we didn't know anything. And then our, our cat ate it. <laughs> <laughs> Catfish is good eating. It makes sense. Ben. Uh, yeah, I was a Boy Scout. I've oh, been fishing right. once yeah. or twice. Uh, you keep forgetting you're a Boy Scout. <laughs> Just Don't say are. He is not currently a Boy Scout. <laughs> once a Boy Scout, always a Boy Scout, Ben. <laughs> if you say so, I guess. What rank were you? Uh, life? I think life. <laughs> it's whatever one was right under Eagle. Uh, once a Boy Scout, always a Boy Scout. For I, life. For life. I'm a lifer. <laughs> do, uh, do boys sell cookies? Uh, it's popcorn. Mm -hmm. We sell popcorn and it sucks. He said we. Ooh, oh, no. Still a boy scout. <laughs> he's still a boy scout. Do you still get the, the popcorn I, to sell? I have a confession. <laughs> I'm, I'm wearing a neckerchief under my clothes. I, I'm, I'm actually halfway to getting my podcasting badge. <laughs> What what is it? Five it years? It takes it takes eight years to get that badge. Oh my badge. god! Oh. It's harder to get than your Eagle Scout. It's crazy. Somebody make Ben a Boy Scout podcast a, a patch. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god! Where were we? So what are we the even talking is, about? Trisha Trisha uses a sharp rock to cut the hood off her poncho and straddles a stream because she sees fish mm -hmm. going down it and uses it to uh submerges it and then as swim the fish swim through it she lifts it up to catch fish and i thought that was great i was fascinated by this scene because i went through this phase in my life where i wanted to catch and i've caught fish before but i'd always toss them back which seems like such a shit thing to do anyway <laughs> so i i wanted to catch one and clean it myself and cook it and eat it like right there and just have the whole experience. Kind of weird. Maybe not for people who like that. Sorry, didn't mean to offend any <laughs> listeners who are really handsy in that way. But handsy? Handsy. What is happening? <laughs> Those handsy fishermen. <laughs> Go on. I can't even think of a way to recover from that. <laughs> um, 
No, but I was fascinated by her once she catches she catches two no she three catches of them. two but one yeah. flops out yeah and she's she's upset by the idea of like man what do i do now like to kill something mm-hmm. if, if you don't do that or don't want to do that would be hard and she kind of lets it just suffocate on the air and then cuts it open and takes out as much stuff as she probably thinks she shouldn't eat and then just man just goes nope. for it what else are you gonna do man and I've eaten sushi. Starved to death in the woods. <laughs> <laughs> but that was you day two of Trisha's journey. Yeah, <laughs> yes. You were you still had rations. You were just like, no, you so I'm starving to death in the woods. You would have been okay because earlier you said I would have just stopped. Oh, that's true. Found you you. Also found. true. <laughs> uh, yeah, she she eats it raw, and I love that she basically stands still for a bit to be like, "Am I going to puke?" Mm-hmm. All right, I can finish eating this fish. <laughs> it's fantastic. Uh, she stops. Uh, she moves on, and she stops in her tracks when she notices the, the stream is not uh, as babbling as it mm-hmm. used to be, and it's starting to uh, get more shallow. And she, Tom Gordon, isn't there this time, but she basically says, "If it's another swamp, I'm going to kill myself." To Tom, and it's like that. I get fact, it. The fact that she said it. If she just said it. It, like to nothing that'd be one thing but the fact that she says it to tom mm-hmm. means it's so much more serious mm-hmm. after her that was i feel like that area was the worst thing i've read about her adventure yeah. so far and to come <laughs> uh thankfully it's just marshland so it's still gross but it's better than a swamp and i can't blame her but she throws a full-on mm, temper tantrum mm-hmm. and exhausts herself into passing out again. From this point on, she more or less passes out instead of sleeping ever again. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, when she wakes up, though, she makes the worst decision since leaving the initial path. She decides, after all this time of going the same direction, she decides to change directions and ends up heading north towards the Canadian border. And had she continued straight through the marsh, she would have found at Devlin's Pond. And and not only that, but to add insult to injury, we are told that there is 400 miles of nothing between her and the Canadian border. Mm-hmm. The only reason this didn't just fuck me up completely is because there's like this much of the book left at that point. <laughs> yeah. But if that had happened earlier or the book was longer, it would have been like, I don't know if I can deal with this. I don't know if I can tolerate reading about what she's going to go through. That's interesting, Sienna. Yeah? The end of the book uh, brought you comfort? J- just seeing that the end of the book was coming closer? You, at no point during the reading of this, thought that this book ended with a little girl dying in the woods. I did not think that. Interesting. Oh, that's uh, really... I oh. think that might say more about me than about you. I, uh, I didn't think cause... it because of... for some, I don't, I'm not going to be able to explain this to you guys. I'll have to think about it more. The title of the book made me not think that. You're not going to huh. kill oh, this okay. character when mm-hmm. the book is called The Girl Who Loved Tom Gordon. I was, Do you so, know what I mean? Yeah. I think I it's guess. funny that... It'd be really mean to be like, yeah, the girl who... Because there's a real life person named Tom Gordon. And no, you'd be like, not, yeah, not, you're associated with this little girl dying No, not that. I, I don't know what it is exactly. Just something about... it. Okay, the girl who loved Tom Gordon, to me, for reasons I can't describe, is hopeful. It's a hopeful it, title. Yeah. Absolutely. Huh. Mm-hmm. Huh. I 100% agree. It was foreshadowing to me, the title. D- to be fair, I, I didn't really think that that was going to happen. <laughs> yeah. uh, King is a, a dark 
Dark Rider. It wouldn't have been out of the realm of possibility. Absolutely. To be fair to you. I I think if it it were a short story, it Mm. would be more likely. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I I don't think he would make us just... Because what is the fucking point, jackass? (laughs) Uh, Yeah. No, that's... uh, I I didn't really think, but I definitely thought. (laughs) (laughs) I I spent pretty much the entire book unsure. Yeah. Because I could have... I would have been able to understand a uh sad postscript basically uh to the story but that's uh let's get to what happens here because we go to the seventh inning stretch which everything we've been experiencing has been moment to moment but here we jump four fucking days mm-hmm. how did that land for you guys because that rocked me that was so gross knowing that the way she has been moving she basically doesn't stop yeah. Like she's not waiting around or or plotting anything. She's just constantly walking. And I think she's slowing down at this point and having to rest more and passing out more. But to know that this is until like for as long as she's awake, she's just walking. She's covered so much ground. The thing that fucks me up is that she has been up to this point in the woods for four days. Right. Mm-hmm. And it has been an un. Bear, you you can't imagine being in her position four days in, and then it goes, and then that happened again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, that the length of time is just it, it's so long. And, and when we come back to her, she's her basically first thought when we return to her, her is, "I'm going to die soon." It is mm-hmm. not even a like, "Oh, I think I might die in the woods." It is like. It, it's going to happen sooner than later. Mm. Yeah. She, at this point, she has infections in her throat, chest, and sinuses. In in this, the other thing that makes this jump terrible is that the book basically says uh, we jumped four days, and it's not those four days weren't easy. It was just more of the same, mm-hmm. and that's all you need to know how terrible those four days were. But she has now started having full-on hallucinations where she has carried on walks and talks with Tom Gordon and Pepsi. Mm -hmm. She's talked to her family. She saw a helicopter that... A helicopter from the X-Files. From the X-Files, Let's be clear, yeah. yeah. Did we even mention the helicopter in the first half of the book? No, we didn't. We we completely skipped over that she saw a helicopter in the distance mm-hmm. and like screamed and yelled and then never saw anything <sighs> ever again. I, I do love that she's talking to Pepsi and Pepsi passes behind a tree and then just doesn't come yeah! out. And she stopped like she walks around the tree looking for her. I was like, oh, Trish. That's so fucking cool. Although it took I don't think she at this point has talked to her dad yet. Her dad is still this like character that has she's not missing him yet the way she's Mm. talked about other people in the real world we find out that the the search has waned for trisha she is presumed dead they're still keeping an eye out but it's not the search because it's been a week now how did you guys feel about her parents planning her funeral after a week because i was like wait Uh, what fucking bleak a week a week lost in the woods yeah that's i mean there's no reason Trisha should be alive. I know, but I would, yeah, I would but be out. I would be lost myself. hundred percent. Like, finding I, her. I wouldn't. I wouldn't be able to bury not a body mm-hmm. like this. Just if mm-hmm. if you haven't laid eyes, I wouldn't still be able hope. to believe it. Yeah. yeah. 
It's a bummer. Yeah, I do. <laughs> what else is there to say? It sucks. I, the her parents going through that, but also I like the note that her brother is holding on to the doll. Mm. Yeah, he and puts the doll in his room, facing his bed, and he sees his mom looking at it, and he says, "Don't you touch it! Don't you dare!" Devastating. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Trisha knows that the God of the Lost is still following her and expects to be eaten really at any moment, mm-hmm. which is more or less fine by her right now. Uh, she finds her way into a meadow where she finds a man-made post and a hinge. Which, I never thought I'd be so excited for a hinge. It's so great, but I it hurt my heart when it was like, and the guy who built it, built it like a hundred years ago. <laughs> it's like, oh, wow, what has happened since then? I just It's such a great moment uh, because there's uh, Tom is there and reminds her that she's dreamt of this on the same night that she saw the three gods and warns her it is too late in the game to make a mistake now. So whatever this next move is, it's got to be the right one. Mm-hmm. And in a brilliant move, she gets on hands and knees and scours because it's all overgrown. Mm-hmm. She finds the other post that would connect a gate. Because once you have the orientation of the Mm -hmm. gate, you can get the direction of the path. Mm Because why else would you put a gate there? I fucking (laughs) thought it was so cool. The the second she found a man-made thing, I was like, oh, here comes the cabin in the woods. (laughs) Here here comes the guy. Gonna find (laughs) some secluded place and a creep. And (laughs) nope. No, it never more, happens. It's much more sad. Yeah. She finds the overgrown trail and manages to see old, rutted out tracks. And she sleeps in the rut because she takes comfort knowing that man made tires uh, had been there. Yeah. Oh boy. It's those fine little details. Yeah. The small comforts. The, mm-hmm. Like, it's so fucking crazy. Eighth inning. Trisha finds an old abandoned truck that's covered in chipmunks. I, I love that there's a phrase right here where she just sees another man-made thing, a thing with corners. I <laughs> fucking love that. That is. I was great. like, oh, yeah, I, in the woods. I don't know. That single line, it's it's a great, it's a great bit. Uh, oh, I love it. Uh, she decides not to sleep in the truck because she, we've all coughed ourselves raw mm-hmm. in the chest. And she's beyond that. And she sees all the dust and is like, I if I tried to sleep in here, I'd cough so hard I wouldn't rest anyway. So she finds a place nearby. And of course, it's the, the next time it storms mm-hmm. after the day that she got lost. This These last few nights that we've been with mm-hmm. her are so rough. She's so sick. And she, Josh, I think this supports the dream thing we talked about earlier. She's like having fever dreams and stuff as she's sleeping and like thinks that she takes her Walkman out at some point, but then can't find it and realizes if I had taken it out, it would be, I would have had to strap my pack back Mm -hmm. up and I wouldn't have been able to do that in the dark and has sleep paralysis, like feels like there's a weight on her chest and can't breathe and can't move her. Okay. I didn't take that as sleep paralysis. I took that as a symptom of uh, what we find out is pneumonia. Yeah, it could be that too, but it could also be, that's like the sensation of sleep paralysis. Have you had sleep paralysis? Oh no. I've had some fucked up shit happen at night. That sounds terrible. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Had pneumonia. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, she, uh, the storm comes and she decides to take shelter in the truck because 
she doesn't have another mm-hmm. option. And she manages to get some sleep. Or, well, as she's about to get in, she looks and mm. sees the shape of a human at the far end of the road. And it's all black with great ears that could be horns. And she thinks that it's the God of the Lost. She's, it's right there. And then she passes out. Yep. She's like, I'm not going to be able to sleep. And well, then she wakes up. She dives inside the, mm-hmm. the car, which as she established earlier, when she hit it with a limb, a bunch of uh, a tree limb, a bunch of dust flew up. So she dives in, kicks up all this dust, and she's just screaming no mm-hmm. over and over. And falls asleep waiting for it to reach in and grab her because it's so close. It does do something, but not reach in and grab her. Holy fuck. <laughs> so good. At first light, she gets out of the car, comes out. See him. What does she what does she find out? Something has made its mark around the truck where she's sleeping, like scratched up the earth and like broken the the just the bushes and whatever pulled up whatever by the root to yes. get it out of the path. Like, what does that mean? <laughs> it's it's interesting. From pretty much from the time jump on, I read this all as none of this is actually like none of the specifics regarding the monster. Mm-hmm. I, I read it all as like magical realism at this point. I was like, I, I don't think there is an actual monster in the woods. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, I, I especially this this ring. It's such a a bizarre visual mm-hmm. to imagine. I, I think this book is really really cinematic. In a way, yeah. in a surprising way, considering it's just a girl in the woods, but the set pieces are so striking mm-hmm. that I can picture them so clearly in yes. my head. I was going to mention that too. I can picture everything except mm-hmm. for some reason. In my mind, every time King was like, and this was on the right, it was the reverse for me, <laughs> <laughs> which is not important, but every time. <laughs> uh, no, it's so like these, these visuals these images mm-hmm. are so striking that in my head they had this dreamlike quality mm-hmm. that i i kind of always chalked it up to the fever mm-hmm. or just the delirium of, delirium being, of yeah. being lost for so long and so weak not to say that detracted from <laughs> how much i loved this moment of her uh, saying it was the thing in the woods marking me. It was claiming me mm-hmm. as its own. It's scary either way. <laughs> it, it's extremely scary. And I, yeah, I just took it all as more mm. more metaphorical. I completely see that logic because I can also see that for a, a child who passed out knowing something was going to eat her at any moment, waking up finding themselves not having been eaten and just having a magic realism moment of, oh, it must, this must be. And her saying, like, the creature is her looming death. It's It has marked her for itself. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I forgot something. Yeah. And this was kind of why I was a little bit stuck on the ambiguity of it. Mm-hmm. I think it was a God of the Lost who tells her that, like, no one's going to find her because mm-hmm. they they have bigger fish to fry, basically. Mm-hmm. And he mentions that there was an earthquake in Japan, a really bad one. And I looked it up. And in May of that year, there was an earthquake in Japan. So she's also been listening. She still has her radio at this point. I'm just saying, it's, uh, she doesn't mention anything about hearing about an earthquake on the radio, though, well, Ben. That, well, and that <laughs> happened a month before she got lost in the woods. The earthquake? Yeah. You said it happened in May. It's June. Shit. I was thinking because the game 
the real game takes place in May. Mm. Oh, he's just he's just moving <laughs> around. He's just pushing around facts. Book argument. Uh, Put it wherever yeah, you want. That's true. Classic. <laughs> All right, let's take it to the top of the ninth. Trisha is making her way, following the road the whole time. She feels that whatever the thing is, it's it's just behind her. It's never leaving her. Early afternoon, she trips and falls and just can't get up. She's lost twenty pounds. Her she can barely keep her pants on. She yeah. weighed like ninety some pounds at the start, and now she weighs seventy some. Yeesh. She pulls her Walkman out. She's a, eats the very last of her food. Pulls the Walkman out. Gets almost no signal. One comes through, and it's a somebody speaking in a French, which I thought that was such a great detail. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, on her last ditch effort, tries the AM band, and she gets the game. She actually breaks the one rule she's been trying to stay mm-hmm. with. She falls asleep listening to the game. And when she wakes up, batteries are dead. She's lost the lifeline to the outside. Mm-hmm. When this happens, her feelings about it are just intense sadness, mm-hmm. which got me. Yeah. We talked last episode about, you know, how important the mm-hmm. radio would be, how terrifying the idea of this one last connection to the outside world dying is Mm -hmm. and i i thought about how i would feel in that moment in that situation and sadness isn't what i expected and when she feel when it's just like she felt this intense sadness like losing your last friend it devastated me because i it it's so much worse than, uh, you know, fear, anger, mm-hmm. or anything else like that. It, it's just the defeat. Mm-hmm. Trisha is just so close to to the end, and it it's devastating. That's why I love the argument that she starts to grieve for uh, the loss of Chumbawamba. <laughs> uh, <laughs> she never all. got. She never had a chance to listen. She never had a chance. But then before she like lets that grief swallow her, she takes a second and is like, I'm on a road. Mm. <laughs> like, let's bring it back to this moment. I am on a road. I am somewhere. And of course, she has passed out on this road for almost the entire day. So it's already almost night again. Mm-hmm. That fucked me up. The idea, like all of her days are taken yeah. away from her at the end, pretty much. She manages to get herself up and trudges as far as she can into the night before she collapses. She can feel the thing in the woods. And I love that she yells something like, stay away from me or I will call 1-800 and get that giant. (laughs) It's fantastic. (laughs) And she is, I think it's here, maybe it's later, she thinks about saying, you know what, fine, come get me, Mm -hmm. and doesn't because she's worried it will. She almost calls for the long boy at the end. Yeah. Lisey's story, in case listeners haven't. We were always yeah, I guess up that is a weird boy. thing to just bring <laughs> yeah. out without context. It's also like she's sitting here and thinking about how little she has to her existence mm-hmm. anymore because now the Walkman is useless and her prized possession, uh, the autograph of Tom Gordon on her baseball cap, is just a smudge now. Mm. It's, it's nothing. Oh, I, I really I put this in quotes. Uh, not because it's a great quote, but I just like the how it made me feel about this. It talks about that night. It says the night is, that it's full of these agonizing coughing fits, but that uh, the time, quote, grows soft and strange. Mm. I thought that's such yeah. a great way to describe 
I mean, we've all slept, I mean, slept hopefully in a comfy bed while being Mm -hmm. deliriously sick Mm -hmm. and know how terrible that sleep is and how time does Mm -hmm. feel that way. It's not a restful sleep. Yeah. And that it's just, but that it's so strange that when morning comes, she's legitimately baffled by the fact that the sun's coming up. (laughs) So she's determined not to give up. And I want to know if you guys freaked out as bad as I did at this next point when she wakes up in the morning, stands up, and realizes she does not know which direction she was walking in. Mm. Yes, that was alarming. I like, I like clasped my imaginary pearls <laughs> when that happened. I was like, holy, like, imagine making mm-hmm. the wrong choice here. Mm-hmm. That's fucking devastating. And she did make a marker with her poncho days ago <laughs> uh, when she first found the post, right? Mm-hmm. <sighs> she trips over the Walkman, which she apparently did bring out mm-hmm. at some point. And uh, and instead of putting it back in, she clips it onto her belt because might as well. It's just uh, she because she looks at it and it's like it's useless, but throwing it away feels yeah disrespectful to it. She's too exhausted to Mm -hmm. take her pack off her back and put it away again. Like that's how weak she is. Mm -hmm. The idea of doing that just yeah. in, In a little bit when she's walking down the road again, and the pack almost slides off her back, and she takes a second to seriously consider just letting it go Mm -hmm. uh even though it has her water in Mm -hmm. it yeah that's the only reason she doesn't her her gritty like puddle water and she has this image that comes into her head of like if i was my brother's macbook i would be throwing up errors (laughs) and little bomb Mm -hmm. things and the idea makes her laugh for the first time that she's laughed in a very long time Mm -hmm. and then that laugh turns into a cough and that cough turns into blood and coughs up blood and knows in that exact moment today's the day either i make Mm -hmm. the save or this is it but seeing the blood brings her her attention to a point and she can actually think again and that is what lets her be like oh of course i'm headed that way how could i even have been confused in the first place she yeah like you said she orients herself and starts heading that way and then she hears an explosion well, a muffler, a muffler. But I just, I love the way that's that it's described as an explosion first. So you're like, what the fuck? And yes. then you're like, oh, it's and a car backfire. I, I love that she cries out along with the crows in the woods. Mm-hmm. It, it makes her, it, in this moment, she is more part of the woods than the thing. Yeah. It makes, because <laughs> hearing a backfire and thinking of it as an explosion is mm-hmm. something oh, that yeah. lives in the woods thinks that. That's a great catch. It, I'm not yeah, about it makes that. her part of the oh. woods. It's in a really, really cool way. It hurts again, though, that it's that sound is carried to her from like nine, nine miles, miles away, which at this point seems so, so, so just far. insurmountable. Mm-hmm. I love that she has that the urge to run towards it, but knows that if she does, she would probably gas out and faint and die of exposure within miles of rescue. Mm-hmm. So she makes herself keep uh, the pace and keep going. She makes it to the top of a rise and finds that there is an honest to goodness dirt road that meets the road she's on at a T intersection. This time she finally makes the right choice completely by accident. She turns east because she didn't want to walk west because the sun was setting and it hurt too much (laughs) to walk into the sun. And it's four miles down this road when she hears new and unmistakable noises. She's hearing something 
that is normally sub-audible, mm-hmm. tires on pavement. <laughs> that simple hum of tires on pavement. And I can't imagine how good that has to feel. <laughs> what did you guys think when she finally gets a civilization sound? It was a relief. It's She needed a win because everything you've been through with her for the past week now has just been so devastating. Yeah. This was the moment where I gave up on my theory finally. (laughs) Uh, Like 20 pages from the end of the book or whatever. uh, Where I was finally like, oh, oh, I guess the end of the story is she just gets found. And I was relieved. Like, I was honestly, because going into the second half with this theory that I was so... sure was gonna happen i was the part i was not looking forward to because i was like this book is already so cruel to this (laughs) character uh we we don't need the the book to be uh trisha versus nature you know man versus Mm -hmm. nature and also man yeah Uh, it'd be too much so when she finally is like (laughs) it's this close i was like oh she's just gonna get rescued cool this is where i was like oh my theory was right (laughs) kind of (laughs) I don't know. You could argue. I did say supernatural bear. Yes. (laughs) It is this moment that she feels safe because Mm. she knows that that's so close. And that's when from behind her, she hears the snapping. I like that. It's like I hear rustling from the woods and I hear snapping of of branches and anything between me and it. I was like, holy Mm -hmm. fuck. Like that's a she feels the, the beeline towards her and knows it just wanted her to feel safe. Yeah. So that it could eat her. When the forest goes quiet, I'm like, oh. Yeah. And she turns with both terror and calm and stands face to face with the God of the Lost. And now we move into the bottom of the ninth. It's our save situation. Who who wants to take us through making the save? Oh, man, I'm like the worst at baseball and you guys are going to make me do it. Okay, fine. <laughs> <laughs> She's... I love that when she turns around, she sees this creature, which is giving me also the terror vibes by Dan Simmons, because it's 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 obviously a bear, but she is looking into its eyes like she can see it. It's that close. And she just sees like just masses like this depth, this like universe of maggots and worms Mm -hmm. just writhing in its eyes towards its brain, which is a horrible (laughs) way to like, why do you have to make a bear worse? Also it's a, it's a black bear and that's very important later. And it's like seven feet tall. Yeah. Yeah. It coughs up wasps at one point. Yeah. Yeah. Does well. And it opens its mouth and it's like wasps inside. And it's it's, a double row of green teeth. Yeah, and it's it has a stick in its hand, and she says it's hand, not its mm-hmm. paw, it's hand. And then it's like sucking on the end of it and snaps it just to just so you know, like because she's like, oh, the sound of that stick snapping is the sound my arm will make <laughs> when it bites it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and she says that's the sound my arm would make. Will make she corrects herself to be like, no, it's gonna eat me. And this, uh, I think, Josh, you were the one who pointed out that she, her connection with Tom Gordon is going to come into play later Mm -hmm. with her being the closer. And this Mm -hmm. is where she thinks about him telling her, "You have to show that you are not afraid and that you are better than them, and make them doubt that they know what you're going to pitch." And so that's the strength that she calls on in this moment. Oh, and I, I love that. Pretty it's... funny because that is 
actual advice for dealing with a bear. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. just have yeah. to show that you're bigger and stronger than. <laughs> it well, is. it depends on the type of bear. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I love that it, it speaks into her head and Ooh, says, "Yes, you're close. Run for it. This body isn't at its maximum strength. You might outrun me." And she knows that's not. I can barely stand. There's no way I'm running. And this is a bear. It says, mm-hmm. worship me with your feet. That like, part. Oh, damn. So rad. That's like a, <laughs> that's a cool song lyric. Right. And, but then, yeah, she takes the, the Tom Gordon approach. And I just love that she says, she yells at the bear. I've got ice water in my veins and I hope you get frostbite on the first bite. <laughs> yeah. Fucking rule. Yeah. She's ready to die but she's going to mm-hmm. go down fighting. It freaked me out though when the bear comes charging at her. Mm-hmm. I just so this very cinematic mm-hmm. ending like she stayed cuz we've through her describing Tom Gordon's stance we know what all of that looks like and from the night at her puking place where mm-hmm. he taught her how to make the make yourself still inside mm-hmm. and so you see all that kind of come together yeah you picture her the way she's mm-hmm. pictured the game yeah which is so cool it's so fucking great and she, <laughs> she's like batter fucking up <laughs> like she is calling this fucking thing out and rears back like pulls the the walkman off her belt clip and starts twirling it in her hand like she imagined tom gordon doing it to find the seam and then that moment happens and she rears back and she chucks it. I love as the as she's about to throw it, mm-hmm. the bear gets startled by her movement. Yeah, and, and rears, it rears back, up. which becomes very mm-hmm. important to what happens. And right before she can let it loose, a shot rings out and takes off the bear's ear. <laughs> which this guy's a fucking lousy <laughs> shot. <laughs> I think maybe he was trying to not hit the kid. Like aim like going far. I, to, I guess. And he was guess. drunk. She's saved. Yeah, he is. She's saved by a drunk man, like her father. <gasps> oh boy! Didn't make <laughs> Sorry, that Josh. connection. That's great. <laughs> Holy shit! Uh, ben, do you want to tell us about Travis? Uh, he's just some hick. <laughs> uh, he's out I, in the woods. I kind of like it. Me too. I, I like that he's like he didn't even get in trouble, though he totally should because <laughs> yeah, he was that. a fucking poacher. <laughs> Well, uh, he, he doesn't believe that you should pay for food when you can which just I'm go totally hunt yourself. Totally down for. Um, no, he's he was out in the woods <laughs> hunting deer off season. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was, he was just drinking and wandering the woods, and he comes across and he says he came over the ridge and he watched them for like twenty seconds before he could interact before he could react. They were too close together because, too. He was, yeah, yeah. They were so close together that he couldn't get the shot. But he also says there's this, it was, he sensed a weird connection between the two as almost as though they had been communicating or they had connected somehow. And this is where the one thing that bothered me the most in the entire book uh, is this guy, there's just a throwaway line of this guy being like, yeah, it was a bear, crazy. And like the book, the narration of the book is like, yeah, it's just a bear. But then there's the one throwaway line that he never told anyone that for a split second he thought he saw maybe it was something else that just looked like a bear. I'm like, come on, Stephen King, have a little, have but he a was, little well, like restraint. He was drunk, and as Sam pointed out. I like, feel like if I was drunk in the woods and I saw a bear, my imagination might go. Ah, <laughs> uh, fair. I mean, like I, you guys, it was more than a bear. 
I, I would embellish. Yeah. After <laughs> the entire book of <laughs> doing know. such a good job <laughs> of making it like yeah. it could be either way. And then, I don't know, adding the secondary mm-hmm. character to be like, oh, he was also an it unreliable narrator. That, yeah. yeah. It kind of, I don't know. It, I thought it was kind of lame, when, honestly. When the bear's ear gets hit, I think, th- is that when Trish, like her vision sort of clears up and uh-huh. she sees that it's not this god, it is just yeah. a bear. And then she lets that Walkman fly into its fucking face. Which <laughs> <laughs> hits it right between the eyes and it runs off. Which is, as we're, uh, I'll, I'll just clarify for anybody who doesn't know, that there's the, uh, for surviving bear attacks, uh, brown to the ground, black attack. That's how oh, okay. you are supposed to survive a bear attack. If it's a black bear, you are supposed to make yourself big and threaten it or like throw things at it and make loud noises. So it happens that she, that's the survival <laughs> tactic that is right for the situation. So yeah. I'm like picturing myself like hopping like foot to foot with my arms above yeah. my head, like in claws going, ah, yeah, she's ridiculous. Can of pennies at it. Ridiculous. <laughs> I also imagine you doing that to a brown bear. Probably. Because, uh, <laughs> and then you just get mauled. <laughs> yep. That's how I go. Uh, yep. So the, after getting hit with the Walkman, the bear runs off into the woods and Travis runs down and sees this emaciated little girl in a dirty mm-hmm. Red Sox shirt and he knows immediately who this girl is. I love that the whole time, because this would be me. She's like, did you, I did that. Did you see what yeah! I did? I did it. <laughs> Did you miss it? <laughs> um, I don't understand the point of... So she faints and he drops his gun to catch her and the gun goes off next to her head and deafens her temporarily. But I'm not sure why. Because he's an idiot. Well, but I'm not <laughs> sure why that's... Yeah. A thi- I, didn't, I was curious why I was missing something. I don't if know, because another... it says that he's talking to her, but she's her ears are ringing and she can't make out what mm. he's saying. And basically, he scoops her up and runs off, uh, and she keeps trying to tell him that she got that save <laughs> while yeah. she passes out in his arms. And now we get to the post game, the wrap up. We have Trisha waking up in the hospital. She kind of well, well we, first we have a, a really weak fake out of her and Tom in the woods. Oh uh, yeah, that is very very obviously a dream. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's wearing his his white uniform, home uniform instead of his away uniform. Indicating that she's home. Uh, And he just basically is like, good job. You did it. (laughs) It's all she needs, man. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, She wakes up in the hospital. They tell her that she has pneumonia in both lungs, but that she's currently stable. Her parents are there. uh, Her brother's there. And there's a nurse that's like, guys, stop talking to her. She needs to rest. Her vitals are going crazy. And so the nurse makes everybody leave the room. But before... Uh, her dad leaves. She makes a point to uh, make make him hand her the baseball cap, mm-hmm. and then she taps it and then points her finger to the sky and ma- like I like that she makes sure she gets eye contact with him because she says I he I need him to know he's, this. Yeah, he's the he only one who will this. understand yes. and he can translate it for everyone mm-hmm. else. And so she taps the cap and she points to the sky mm-hmm. and he uh, is described as his truest and sweetest mm-hmm. smile. Uh, causing me to break into tears. Oh. Mm-hmm. It got I, me. It got me. I yeah. cried yeah. at this book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. At it. I cried at <laughs> it. I want you to picture that. <laughs> she got the save. Game yeah. over. Home team wins. There was a split second 
the literal last line of the book and she says she pointed at the sky closed her eyes and drifted Duh. away <laughs> and they follow it up they, the way she reads it she goes and she drifted away into sleep and there was that slight pause I was like the fuck she died what an insane uh, twist that would be at the end oh uh, it's time to rate who wants to go first I can go first yeah, for it. yeah. Oh, I really liked this book. I loved Trish. She's a great character. I learned more about baseball than I ever thought I would, that I would care to learn. <laughs> and it, it was interesting. And it gave me a little bit of insight into Stephen King's love for it. Because we get baseball stuff in a lot of his work and it always just kind of flies right by me. So hopefully like thanks to this book moving forward now, that stuff will mean a little something more to me, which I think is really cool. I would have to wait a really long time to read this again because it's it's not the darkest or scariest book that we've covered, but it's so bleak. Her journey is so rough. It's it's not fun to read. I mean, I still love it, so I'm going to give it five out of five. <laughs> of course. Ben? This is a tough one because... Uh, I, I think I would re- re- reread this and probably enjoy it just as much. I think it is incredibly well written. I think it is a little bit draggy in parts. It, it It's a lot of, and then the next bad thing happens, and then the next bad thing happens. And, and that said, I was not expecting this book to affect me in a very, very real way. More than even some of his like scarier books, this kind of got to me because of it. I learned a lot about myself, I think, reading this book uh, and how goddamn terrified I am of the woods. So just from the strength of of uh, the writing and just the atmosphere and everything, I think I'll give it five out of five blue chambray shirts. Four point five if we if if you guys didn't yell at me every time. I would see Ben. I it's funny because I, I was I'm I'm in that same area with you where I was going on the back and forth of four yeah. to five. And the more I thought about the fact that I did get so emotionally invested, the fact that this book made me cry more than once. Mm. I, I can't you you can't take that for granted when a piece of uh, literature mm-hmm. hits you that way. Yeah. And it's done something that I'm super excited about. It's given me a new intro to King book for people because I feel like yeah. this is a strong Absolutely. first King book. That's a good point. Yeah. I like that a lot. And uh, for for all of that, I am beholden to give it five <laughs> out of five blue chambray shirts. And that is it for this episode of Dairy Public Radio. As always, thank you for listening. Join us next time where we will be taking a brief break from our Patreon selection series to welcome a guest to the show to talk about In the Death Room from Everything's Eventual. For Joshua Khan and Benjamin Graham, I'm CM Alexander reminding you, God, if you can't be a Red Sox fan, be a Tom Gordon fan. Hey everyone, CM Alexander here. Thank you for listening to The Girl Who Loved Tom Gordon Part 2. We hope you enjoyed it. 
We have a special announcement for you. For the whole month of February, we are working with Nikki M. Artistry on Twitch. Nikki is a Quad Cities-based body painter and MUA who will be creating Stephen King character looks every Tuesday at 8 a.m. Central Standard Time for February. Tune into her stream, see the awesome body paint she's doing, and get an exclusive code for our Etsy store. As always, please follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Dairy Public Radio and Twitter at Dairy Public. You can also send us an email at dairypublicradio at gmail.com. That's all for now, listeners. Goodbye.